Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher, author, filmmaker, and the founder of Impeak. In this podcast, I speak with innovators at the forefront of emerging technologies. My guest on today's show is Avery Akinani, president of Vayner NFT. Some of you may know that I produced and directed a documentary called The Millennial Disruption in 2017-18 that featured Gary Vaynerchuk and went on to win several international awards. At the end of that documentary, I said to brands and entrepreneurs that if they couldn't come to terms with social media, they had very little chance of succeeding when blockchain technology was here. Well, that technology is here now, and Gary Vaynerchuk and his team are as always ahead of the curve. Avery, who works very closely with Gary in these areas, shares some excellent insights with us on the future of NFTs and Web3's mainstream adoption. So without further ado, let's dive right in. First of all, thanks for being here. Um, I don't know how much you know about uh, what we're doing or what I'm building. Uh, we're essentially building a, a Web3 education platform. So for uh, a lot of people coming into the space, but also people who are in the space and wanting to learn more about it, you know, go to the next levels. You know, we are providing all kinds of education in this space. So um, I was just listening to some of your other uh, interviews and uh, I also actually, I interviewed Gary himself for my uh, documentary. Gary has come a long way and it's like, it's always so interesting to see how he's always ahead of the curve, no matter what happens. So the main thing I wanted to talk to you today about was, um, how long, first of all, how long have you been with, um, with Vayner uh, Media, VaynerX? I've been with VaynerX for um, about four and a half years. I started as a vice president on the media team, and I moved over to run and to found and run our Asia Pacific office, which started with Singapore and expanded into Bangkok and Tokyo and Sydney and now many other cities, soon to be India. And um, in July of 2021, I started up uh, Vayner's NFT practice, which was originally called Vayner NFT. And we've since evolved to Vayner 3, uh, which represents a sort of broader spectrum of Web3 opportunities on behalf of our partners. What was an, a reason for the name change? Over the past year, it's become increasingly clear to us that while we wanted to start with something that was very specific and narrow and really own one part of the Web3 ecosystem, which was NFTs, the opportunity is much broader um, for how consumers are leveraging Web3 technology. So whether that's blockchain-based enterprise applications or decentralized finance or metaverse experiences or NFTs, all of these sort of encompass the broader Web3 ecosystem that's being built, which in our view is multidimensional and multifaceted. So we, uh, over the past year or so, have been working across several of these different parallel initiatives, and it felt like the right time at our one-year birthday to rebrand and expand our purview to reflect the work that we're doing. Nice. So um, how, how uh, right now, when you look at the, the landscape of, you know, a lot of brands, Web2 brands coming into the space, um, what's your general feeling uh, in terms of how quickly they might adapt or, you know, uh, what, what's the general timeline that you see, uh, you know, brands, it might take for them to actually come into the space? I think there's a spectrum of how brands are looking to adopt Web3. First is a spectrum of just sort of curiosity and interest. And we always recommend that um, organizations and enterprises start with really educating themselves of what's driving this consumer behavior shift and understanding that and understanding the culture that's being built by sort of the 
um, web through purists and OGs, uh, and then also looking to think about how they can incorporate this into what they're looking to do as a brand, um, as their sort of communications platforms. So I think for a lot of brands, the right place right now is collaborations. Um, it's doing something that ties Web3 into an existing initiative that they have or collaborating with a leader in the space, whether that's um, you know, Adidas collaborating with G-Money or Budweiser buying a Tom Sachs rocket or Gatorade working with one of to drop their player of the year collection, or there are so many other examples or Nike acquiring artifact. I think there's a lot that starts with sort of collaboration. And then that sort of expands into co-creation. Um, and examples of that can be really doing a joint project or initiative together um, that leverages the equity that the I would call them traditional companies um, versus Web2. I know everybody refers to them as Web2 companies, but the reality is, you know, we just, I just got off a call with HSBC. They've existed for centuries. So they've existed since far before there was a web. Um, so I would say traditional brands, uh, they, it starts with education, immersing themselves, collaboration, co-creation, and then that can go as far on the spectrum as as really adopting Web3 in um, immersive ways. So I think Nike's acquisition of Artifact is a great example of a company who really went all in to um, acquire a company who's leading in this space. It made a lot of sense because Artifact is so well known for their digital sneakers and such a bastion of, of crypto culture. I think that's a, a perfect example of sort of going all in. And we've seen other companies embrace um, fully, but it's very hard for most um, publicly traded companies to operate fully embracing the Web3 ethos right now because it's still very new and it's still a very small group of consumers who are actively engaged in this space. If you look at the total number of consumers who even have an Ethereum-based NFT, we're talking like under a million, which is really tiny if you're an enterprise. Um, but we are seeing some companies go like all in across different things, whether it's metaverse, it's NFTs, it's crypto, um, it's blockchain. I think there's a lot of explorations happening. Uh, and then I think the more there's like a risk appetite as well for, for different companies. Some companies are very conservative and they are not comfortable doing something on the blockchain until they understand more about it um, and until there's more clarity around regulation. Right now, that's um, I think the lack of regulation is actually hindering a lot of large enterprises actively playing in the space because they have a lot to lose. They're not an influencer who, you know, just is getting us their start by posting some NFTs on OpenSea. They're established businesses that are worth billions of dollars and they have a lot to lose and, and also um, can easily be a target uh, by government entities if they are doing things that are perceived to be um, risky. So I think conservative companies have stayed out of the game for that reason. Uh, sort of medium companies are doing things like the education, the collaboration, some element of co-creation. And the more bold companies and very forward-thinking companies are actually figuring out ways they can take crypto, hold NFTs, and really participate in this ecosystem and use that as, as a new method to engage with their consumers, to generate business opportunities, and, and much more. That's a fantastic perspective, and especially when you think about what you mentioned uh, about the number of people in the ecosystem. It's, it's pretty fascinating how, how small that is. Do you have faith that this is really the next iteration of the internet, and this is the way that things are going to go? Do you think that this is truly the case, that we are going to see um, the blockchain take over, you know, the, the current version of social media and, and uh, the internet as we know it? Do you really think that Web3 is like truly the future, basically? Yeah, I'm completely convinced that 
Web3 is unlocking this next dimension of consumer uh, behavior. And I think if we look at what's driving this, we uh, see a couple of different things. First, we see the amount of time spent on digital devices and in digital ecosystems continues to grow dramatically, you know, year over year. And consumers are increasingly uh, expressing their sense of self digitally. I think we see this manifesting in different ways, like filters or, you know, your persona on Instagram or, you know, how, how you act on Roblox or the things that the items that you have in your Fortnite. Um, so I think digital identity is starting to really matter. And Web3 is giving rise um, to the ability to actually own things digitally. And that's a huge consumer unlock. Um, I am completely convinced this is the next iteration of consumer behavior. I think it's coming. It's not here yet. Like we just talked about, we're still in the really early days of this. You know, when I talked to some of my normal friends about everything that's happening in this world, they still don't see the value of what they perceive to be a JPEG. Um, and it shows that like we're very early in this journey, but it makes so much sense when you sort of like look logically at what's driving um, this consumer behavior. Yeah, definitely. I'm guessing you probably haven't seen the documentary I was mentioning to you before and that um, I interviewed Gary for um, basically I made this documentary, which won several international awards and Gary was in it. I'm in London, went all the way to New York for a 25 minute interview with Gary. And um, in that interview, uh, at the end of that um, you know conversation, he, he mentioned something about how people are still trying to get their head around social media and, um, you know, and influencer marketing and things like that. And, and that how he was already moving to the next frontier of voice. And, you know, we've come such a long way uh, since then. And now we are going into a whole new frontier. So at the end of that documentary, I ended literally with this sentence that was, that was basically, if you can't get your head around uh, what's happening in social media, how what are you going to do when blockchain technology is here and that blockchain technology is here and you know five years ago but it's interesting that you still think that it's um that it hasn't fully started yet right so, so do you see um you know especially being uh so close with the vayner team over there um do you guys have like a timeline of when you think that we are going to see a more uh, uh um general adoption yeah, I think about it like that sort of uh, technology adoption bell curve that people always use where you're talking to innovators and early adopters and early majority, you know, how that works and ends with the laggards. I think we're still in that innovator camp um, and what's going to be needed. To, and by the way, that's we've come a long way just in the past 12 months. Um, yes, blockchain is, has existed for many years, but the it's still nascent and hasn't been fully adopted in a way that's scalable yet. Um, and there are a lot of different reasons for this. Um, but it's important that we understand like where we are at the adoption cycle, which is it's very early. There's a passionate group of fans and who are sort of driving this and have a culture around different things, um, whether it's DeFi culture or crypto culture or NFT culture. Um, I think that it will probably be several years before we really start to see mainstream adoption of these technologies. And it'll be driven by a few things. One, easier on-ramps and easier ways for consumers to participate um, in what's happening here. Uh, second is perceived value. I think there needs to be a reason that people are like, wow, that NFT is so cool. I have to get one. It's still so small that it isn't something that mainstream consumers like desire or want to want to interact with quite yet. Um, but I think that will will come. Um, and those two innovation streams will probably happen in parallel. Um, the parallel between uh, someone 
doing something that's really cool that has that consumer desirability and an easier way for people to participate. If you will, you know, think about buying an NFT, the process is very long and clunky versus, um, you know, the process of sending an email. I don't exactly know how the email is getting to you, but I know that I'm typing it and it receives, it's, you know, received in your inbox instantly. That process is a good example of where we need to get to with the process of purchasing an NFT, where consumers don't need to know all the um, bells and whistles of exactly what's happening. Of course, some people will. Some people know exactly what's happening when I type an email and it ends in your inbox, but that's not the majority of people. And I think that's where we're going to shift to with NFTs is it'll be a seamless, instant experience that allows that sort of immediate gratification, um, which also uh, is combined with things that are um, actually desirable by mainstream consumers. And either desirable or useful, I should say. I think that we are going to see this rise of utility-oriented NFTs that are um, you know, providing access and experiences that are desirable to consumers. Um, so we need to look at things like, okay, great, maybe I have to like scan, instead of a scanning a QR code, I'm going to scan an NFT to enter my building, right? Um, something like that, that provides that immediate, like clear utility. Uh, maybe it's, you know, that's my uh, gym pass is great. Instead of buying a 10 pack of berries on their website, I buy a 10 pack that's an NFT and it reduces down and say, I want to sell them to somebody else. I can, that's a, that's an open market that can be created. That element of just like ease, speed, use, and desirability, I think all needs to, to sort of happen before we see really mainstream consumer adoption. But there are a lot of examples of like, you know, enterprises and, and influential individuals who are starting to incorporate this in what they're building. And all of those little brick by bricks are going to build the house um, that's going to uh, to transform Web3. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned about the community right now being passionate about whether it's NFTs, whether it's crypto, different different aspects of Web3. You know, we say GM to each other every morning, you know, on Twitter, et cetera. Exactly. What do you think, what do you think will happen to that community as, as things grow? Do you remember whether there was a parallel to that when, uh, with Web2 when the internet was, was growing? Well, it's funny because a lot of the like OG people from Web2 are, are kind of like involved in Web3. Like Gary often tells me that he remembers when he knew everybody on Twitter. Um, I think like Britt Morin's another example of somebody who was really influential in the early days of Twitter and, you know, helped sort of shape that. She's at Brit. Um on Twitter and Instagram. And like in the early days of social media, those communities knew each other very well too. Um, and that's, you need a small and super dedicated community to be the group that really gets things off the ground. And then of course there are our social users who just like go onto Twitter a couple times a week or, you know, a couple times a month and check what's happening or go and read the news. But they're, you know, when Twitter first launched, there was this passionate group of people who were constantly spending time there, building relationships and new friendships on that. I think we're going to see the same thing happen with like the really like deep hobbyists of Web3. Um, a lot of the hobbyists over the past year um, are, are kind of entwined with investors. They're NFT investors and NFT hobbyists and, and day traders. And there's a definite culture around those um, around that. But that that's only a small subsection of the world. Like not everybody in the world is going to be saying GM on Twitter. That just isn't going to happen. Um, but everybody in the world is going to be using NFTs. That's super interesting. So uh, what do you think will happen to this trader uh, mentality and, and, and culture that is being developed right now? And this idea that there's so much... Um, emphasis on the price of the NFT, you know, after the drop, not falling, etc. God forbid if if the price falls below what people paid for, you know, and 
that uh, then then it causes a lot of what we call fat, which is you know uh, yeah for people people always ask me what's fat a fear uncertainty and doubt so uh, yeah so what's going to happen to that culture like is that culture going to go away like is it like if I buy an NFT for my gym pass you know am I going to expect that the price of that shouldn't fall and like yeah so this is something that I it concerns me quite a lot about how this uh, where this is going yeah you know I think that it's um what we've seen over the past 18 months is a really financialized ecosystem that's really um you know, a lot about volume, price. I think the market correction that we've seen over the past couple of weeks has actually been very healthy for this space um, because uh, things don't just go up, 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 right? And it, that that level of day trading um, and culture around it has, you know, been amazing. Um, and a lot of people have made a lot of money, but it's also been very stressful to project founders, to artists, to creators. I see people all the time in discords, like talking to individual artists about like, when are you going to be pumping this? What's the marketing plan? And, you know, I think that creates a lot of like mental, uh, it takes a mental toll on a lot of the creators and founders in web three, because they feel this immense pressure coming from their community to constantly be rising the price. Um, and sometimes there, there are many factors that are without, that are out of their control on why something hits or it doesn't hit. And I do think that also sort of scares creators away from participating in the NFT ecosystem at times because it's so financialized and so much pressure to drive up the floor price. Um, and, you know, as a creator or an artist, you don't want to have a failed project or something that doesn't mint out or something that, you know, goes below mint that, that people aren't even participating, um, which is unfortunate. What I think we're seeing, I think we'll see in the future is um, there will always be a subsection of people who are day trading the same way people day trade the stock market. That is just, um, that's going to be one part of the ecosystem, but it won't be the whole part. I don't have an expectation if I buy, you know, the, I'm just looking at this candle, right? If I buy this candle, I don't think I'm going to pay $20 for it and sell it for 30 tomorrow. I'm getting a candle because I like the look of it and the smell of it. And I, you know, I don't expect to have an ROI on my candle. I think we're going to see more NFTs that are, um, you know, you're buying them because you either want to be a part of the community, you want to have access to what they're building, you want to um, participate in utility, but you're not expecting this to be an investment vehicle. Um, so I think the rise of, of utility-based NFTs and is going to help uh, sort of separate out that from sort of investment vehicles exclusively. Uh, we've seen this a little bit with art and gaming and sports, but an NFT that has a very clear utility that is what it is. More of those. I also think the price coming down is important as well. We've seen a lot of free mints doing very well recently, um, or low cost NFTs. Low cost NFTs, where you know the ambition is not to attract flippers, but it's to attract a community who's interested in creating a lower barrier for entry, where anybody can um, can buy one of these and, and participate. So we did an uh, a program yesterday actually with Gatorade to celebrate their Player of the Year, and they were five dollars. You know, yes, we could have priced them at 500, but we didn't want to price them at 500. We wanted to price them at five. So anybody who wants to support the players of the year and, you know, donate to Good Sports Inc. can do so. And they don't have to be a crypto millionaire to participate. I think the mint prices that we saw over the past year were really high, you know, in the thousands of dollars in many cases. Um, and that prices out normal people who might be interested in joining um, this ecosystem or interested in the project. And it attracts um, a certain type of consumer. Uh, so I think what we'll see in the future is there will always be an audience flipping and the ability to trade your NFT is something that's amazing. Um, and I think it's useful in creating a free market um, for post-sale value items 
is cool. I can't go sell my candle to someone for $30 because where would I even do it? I'd have to like post it on Facebook marketplace or something. But with NFTs, you can do that. I just think the expectation will be less around every project needs to have a very active secondary market, like from the get go. And, but the flip side will be every project or program should have a clear utility of what you're getting when you're buying into it, whether you're buying into a community or you're getting access or you're getting a discount or, you know, whatever the case may be. I think we'll see a lot more of those utilities oriented or community oriented NFTs that are not, um, are not as overly financialized as what we've seen in the past 18 months. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the biggest issues is that a lot of these NFT communities don't have a clear uh, offering. They they just don't have a clear offering. You basically mint some art and then what do you get? So you get access to a Discord and most of the time, that's it really, right? And how many discords can you be in? So one last question, because I know that you have a very busy schedule today. When people were trying to come into the web to social media, by people, I mean brands or um, anybody who wanted to build presence, you know, do marketing in, in the social yeah. media uh, era, they often thought about taking what they already had in the physical world, and then they would turn that into a digital format and they would uh, try to market it that way. And one of the things that um, I've always been trying to explain to brands uh, and companies was that you need to speak this new language, that, that it's not just about like taking what you already have. Like, it's not like um, if you already have a magazine, let's now, you know, uh, scan that magazine and put the, the content, uh, you know, on social media. It doesn't work like that. So what are your suggestions? What are your advice for brands uh, and, and uh, you know, whether small brands or big brands coming into the space, thinking, how do they even learn to speak the language of um, this new movement that's happening? They have to under, they have to put in their time to understand what's happening and they need to participate in the ecosystem themselves as consumers. I have an inbox full of brands wanting to get into the NFT space. And my first piece of information is set up your own wallet, join a Twitter space, get into discord, really understand what's happening here so that you can think about how to add value because you're exactly right. When brands tried to post their TV commercials on social media, it didn't work. And when brands try to, to run their, um, you know, normal social campaigns as, as NFT programs, it's not going to work either. But when they find that right, authentic balance of who they are as a brand and, what is actually happening in this Web3 community, that's where real magic can happen. And I think we're going to need brands, we're going to need enterprises to bring legitimacy and scale to what we're building in this Web3 ecosystem, but they need to do so in a manner that's thoughtful um, and authentic. So they need to understand and embrace what's happening in the world of Web3, not because they want to headline an ad age, but because they genuinely want to connect with their consumers in a new dimension. Yeah, definitely. I think the key word there, and I wrote this down, is that they need to put in the time and most people don't want to do that, right? So this is this is the issue that they need to put in the time uh, to actually learn it and, and experience it from scratch. Well, thank you so much, uh, Avery. I really appreciate your uh, your input and, and you being here. Uh, I hope to have you again as uh, you know these ecosystems grow and uh, hopefully we will be able to uh, collaborate in the future at some point as, as we also grow our um, educational platform. Fantastic. And congratulations on your educational platform. Seems really exciting. And I hope you stay cool in London. I know it's a scorcher. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. I'll let you go. I know you've got a busy day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Avery Akineni of Vayner NFT. Be sure to follow her on Twitter and keep an eye out for the innovations that they are making in this space. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show.